Welcome to Story Comic Presents, where we interview amazing storytellers and artists. This is episode 151. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the internationally acclaimed host of Two Geeks Talking, Kurt Sasso. Oh, you give me too much credit here, Barney. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? I would. So I. So it's funny. It's like you know, it's a. Uh, um, it's a big world out there, but it's so small when it comes to community. You know, and like you know community-based um, interests. And I was fortunate enough to discover you uh, when you're interviewing um, our mutual connection, uh, Stephanie. Oh, cool. Yeah. and yeah, she, uh, She's amazing. Love her. She is amazing. And she is amazing. Oh, you know what? I think she's watching. She just made a, she made <laughs> hey. a laugh face. Hi, Stephanie. Yeah, she goes, Stephanie Nina Pizzarillos. So <laughs> I, got, I, I made sure I, I memorized her name before she came on. So now I can't never forget Pizzarillos. So I always have to say Pizzarillos now. Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, so, so talk to us a bit about, and I was really excited. Um, so when then I saw that and I was watching your interviews, I was enthralled by just diving into the rabbit hole that is Kurt Sasso and Two Geeks Talking. And seeing all the guests that you've had on and just see and just and just watching the 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 ability of how engaged you are with your guests and how in, how you present yourself with genuine curiosity and you present yourself with the the uh, the ability to keep conversation moving and i know that we know you, you and i when we we there's other other podcasts out there that you can um and it's it's interesting to see that some of this stuff i have to ask you you know first off this i went backwards i went backwards years what years i'm going back i'm like he's like the quality like it's like i've never i don't know if i've gone back far enough but you've seemed to always have this consistent level of quality on your interviews and to be able to keep that engagement so question number one is <laughs> Where did this gift come from? And uh, do you have it in a bottle someplace? Like, is it like a genie? Or, or, and then, and then, I guess the first, and then the other question too is, what is, how did you get started? Because you, in your previous interviews, you talked about, listen, you know, I was always a, was kind of an introvert and kind of jumped into it. And you're, you were doing this way back in the, in the dawn of the, the dawn podcast. of the podcasting yeah. back in 2008. So, I threw a few questions at you, but I'll I'll let you kind of filter through those two questions. Well, I can start with the second one first. Okay. Um, <laughs> and and I've told the story before, but it's how how does one get started in podcasting when one has no resources on podcasting is kind of the the basis of two geeks talking. I, way back when it was TGT web comics. Um, so the story is back in two thousand and eight, uh, Phil from who uh, is an amazing, talented website designer and coder. Uh, I was helping him with webcomics.com, which originally he owned the site before he sold it to Brad Geiger. Anyhow, uh, so the basis of webcomics.com back then was it was a database for all these web amazing webcomics that were on the internet at that time. And back in 2008, it was the heyday of webcomics. It was really the, the, the crest of so many talented creative people 
that had already gotten started by a penny arcade and a pvp online and and all of those amazing um talented people as well and they're still talented to this day and so what i wanted to do was we have this website phil we should really interview uh webcomic creators get them on a podcast and let's you know let's interview them because mm. we have so many people on this website you know let's let's take advantage of that and he was like sure go ahead so <laughs> exactly i i chuckled at that too because it was quite literally how do i get into podcasting i was an introvert i, I still am but i've gotten from an introvert to an extrovert is how i define myself these days but the first 60 episodes of the of the show uh back in 2008 you know i hadn't found my voice yet and and so for me it was uh, a level of understanding myself as an interviewer or co-host at that time and then you know how do you keep a conversation going um because for us it was literally okay we have these guests on the show we have to ask them questions we have to be entertaining um we have to you know bring what they're trying to to showcase you know hey we're going to talk about your comic come on the show let, let's talk right but how do you do that back in 2008 how do you do that with uh, to be perfectly honest really crappy uh sound like right. under 48 hertz sound quality for podcast interviews using talk shoe of all things so roundabout way of basically saying is you know early technology introverted people trying to interview introverted people <laughs> it's kind of how it boils down i guess so you know as that as that happened as you're having those interviews um as you mentioned like uh talk, talk shoe is that mm -hmm. what he's yeah what were what were the platforms else that was that was out there that you were able to choose from? Oh, you're really diving back into my memory now. Um, <laughs> Talkshoe was the only one that you could safely record audio. Okay. Uh, Skype was the other one that you could you could record audio through through Talkshoe, so you could have a Skype call, record it through Talkshoe have a live show then right then and there. So there mm. was no editing, nothing like that. It was pure chaos, literally, uh, between disconnected calls and horrible audio and, and crackly connections and all the other stuff. And you had to post it somewhere. So mm. TalkShoe was not only a recording site, it's also a, it was also a podcast host. Mm. And so it worked out really well. Um, for a good number of views. And then they deleted my entire archive. So oh, I didn't know about that until 2015. <laughs> Luckily I have the hard copy still. So that, I haven't lost my archive. So mm. I, I still have that, but it, it was, that was really the only thing you could do. You had to use Skype. You had to use TalkShoe. You, you know, those were the only real pieces of software that you could record on. And of course you had to have a website as well too from a, social media platform perspective twitter was not even in in picture quite literally facebook was kind of there and it was a good place to kind of start but you still had myspace you still had um zanga and a bunch of other websites as well too that you could you could post to it was just what did you want to uh to choose great 
And so with that, uh, but also too, is like being, you know, the term podcast comes from iPod. So mm -hmm. and how, what was, and there really wasn't other, I mean, Spotify wasn't really, mm -hmm. I mean, Spotify wasn't even there. So I, iTunes, mean, Apple iTunes was the only software right. you could link your podcast to. Okay. And it worked out well, except podcast would, doesn't host anything. They just link to your RSS feed. So okay. whatever quality you had, whatever it was linking to is what would get played. Right. So it was kind of a, it was, it was a shame that Apple iTunes didn't like iTunes didn't take advantage of the fact that they could have been the podcasting platform right. back then compared to what they are currently. So. Cause right now, so where, where, where did you see, like when you were, when you were podcasting in 2008, 2009, uh, 2010. What were some of the things that you're saying to yourself, man, I just wish the technology would do X or Y. And what were some of those things that you were, that you were saying, if only the capacity to do this or this, would it be there that, and, and have any of those come to fruition or is there anything that you would still wish 14 years ago were, were still in place that wish that would, would exist now? I wish I would have done videos sooner. Okay. Um, I really wish I would have done that sooner. I, I wish I could have taken advantage of YouTube sooner as well too. Mm. And I, and I did to be, to be honest that the channel itself and, and actually I, I, the old site is still, the old channel is on YouTube still. I, I still have to migrate over to this new one. Mm. Um, but I took advantage of that. As soon as I, I started the show, as soon as I literally, uh, got the, the podcast up and running, I immediately found a YouTube channel, created a YouTube channel, created a website, did all my social media to the best of my ability at that time. And uh, I was able to put together, you know, what kind of the, the platform of what we had here. But I really wish I, I would have done video interviews instead of audio interviews. The only downfall with that is I don't think the video quality would have been as good as it is today. Like if right. this technology today was that back then, you'd have a whole new level of, of, of people. Right. And and so what are so so talk to us a bit about the because you're you're deliberate in the fact that you have the you know the ten, two geeks talking. So it's you're you're focusing on video games. You originally was focusing on indie comics. That was your first thing. Mm -hmm. uh, what was it strategic or organic to expand out away from indie comics and web comics and, and, and focus on other genres of entertainment? Well, I, I haven't stopped doing indie creators. Right. Let's, let's, let's put that out there right here. Now uh, I, I still love indie creators. I still have them on the show. I still will interview them no matter what. And, mm. and I think that more than ever, they need a voice right. and, and I hope the show can provide that. I, I truly do. Um, I, I think that the reason why I expanded to entertainment as a whole, because I've only done, I think, maybe five or six episodes of, of video games, to be perfectly honest. Um, and they've been great interviews, don't get me wrong. But I think the reason why I, I expanded to entertainment back in 2010 was two reasons. One, I was getting burnt out with webcomics, only because I'd interviewed pretty much everyone except for the <laughs> very big names at 
I'm not saying that to brag or anything. I'm right. quite literally, I did over 200 plus interviews of every webcomic creator. And I think I have maybe nine left on my list to interview. I, I, I believe um, the only people I haven't interviewed are, are Penny Arcade and um, Mega Tokyo and Dominic. No, no, I got Dominic Deegan, but I, uh, the the big big names like that, but I got all of three quarters of the half pixel crew. I got pretty much everyone else for that matter, more than once in that occasion. I even got um, you know Phil Folio twice on the show, and he was episode ten of of the actual original show. And and I remember you saying in a previous episode that was your first, as you said, like your first big name of interview. Yeah, I, I mean, quite literally, Girl Genius is still popular to this day, and he's he and Kaja are still extremely consistent in, in what they do, and they do beautiful work, truly. But for a new show to simply, you know, at that time, email them and say, hey, would you like to come on, on TGT Web Comics? To, for them to say yes, or, or at least for Phil to say yes, uh, you know, it was it was a dream come true. It was truly exciting. Mm. And what are some of the things that you would look so you know as you say we you know that you you interview a lot of indie uh, indie creators and you know sometimes they'll say you know I've, I've I've been thinking about going back to my first few issues and kind of redoing them because I don't really like the the artwork it's different than it was before is there is there anything when you look listen to your archives of things that you learned that you don't do? <laughs> Now, like, because you've interviewed a thousand, a thousand interviews. So, yeah. what are some of the? That's amazing. You're like in four digits. So, what are some of the? What were some of the things that you would, uh, that that you wished you knew? Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think for me, I, I wish I would have had a stable introduction, hmm. because back then we used to use our handles. Our, our old handles from back in the day. So I, I, I think if we would have started this, I think a proper introduction with similar to what I have now on, on the show, if we had something similar to that and maybe it evolved over the years, that would be a, a great start. And an and, and outro as well, something to, you know, point them towards the website or point them towards our social media and, and get more interaction that way. And I think that's what, we did good for organic pull, which has a, which was really huge in a lot of our interviews where people would interview, uh, would listen to other interviews and they'd be like, yeah, I want to come on the show. And it wasn't more of us fishing to get people, guests right. to come on the show. And so I, I think that if we kind of had a format, a, a proper format, not, not the cookie cutter that you see in today's industry where people with shorter attention spans aren't as invested into these types of things that are necessary. Uh, I think that if we were consistent that way, it would have helped. I think um, graphically we were, we were pretty consistent. I think we could have done better with our, our title images and everything like that. It was, uh, you know, when you're first learning Photoshop, you, you cringe at your mistakes. <laughs> that stuff. Uh, same with editing as well, too. It quite literally is, uh, you know, I, I learned a lot because I didn't edit for the first 10 years of, of the show. Mm. So we had, we had shows where we were doing two plus hour interviews at the oh, beginning. Wow. 
we, our longest show or my longest interview was four plus hours with Trevor Mueller. Only half of that got posted. Oh, geez, Louise. Wow. It was a very long work day after that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so what do you use now for your, your editing software? So for me, I, I still use, um, I still use Premiere. I still use uh, Adobe Premiere and I, and everything along that line. So Adobe Premiere, Photoshop for my, my, I have templates for pretty much everything. Um, the only thing I, I really go in, in depth on is, is Premiere where I start to really fine tune the, uh, the ums and the ahs and all that other stuff. And maybe someone, when they're talking, they don't have, uh, you know, maybe they lose their train of thought. Well, I, I don't want to showcase that. I want to showcase, you know, their their full train of thought so that it's a nice, seamless, you know, audio experience at least. Right. So if, if uh, because we have, um, you know, listeners, we have like uh, authors and artists and stuff that listen to the show and, mm-hmm. um, and a, a, a good, addendum to their medium would be maybe hosting a podcast or something like that uh if they said hey, listen kurt i got a hundred bucks i got a hundred dollars what sh- what is and i want to do a podcast what should i do with that hundred dollars first where, mm-hmm. where where should i invest that money into a common thing and and because I went, I went back to school for visual arts and film and a common saying is you can have the best film ever made and if it has crappy audio it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't matter how good the picture is so invest in your audio quality like take small start with a microphone start with you know that process have good software recording software whatever you do use i use xsplit it works for me because i do video there are other you know Streamlabs. i'm sure does beautiful work as well too and, and i'm sure there's a other software that I'm not familiar with that people use that, uh, you know, does wonderful job. But if you, if you can get a decent microphone, whatever your money will, will give you, then get it. And there are resources now with podcasting that, you know, if I had that information way back when it would make my life a whole lot easier. (laughs) I, I honestly, I, I wish I had that information, everything that I've done, has been trial and error and it's been painful right costly sometimes too but yeah and and so what would what would be your recommendation then as somebody who's been in 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 the field for for 14 years doing this um for those artists and authors that are listening right now and comic indie indie comic creators what would be your advice to them to how to market their work if you're not using social media to its full extent to the Mm. point of basically getting a cease and desist letter from people on the internet then (laughs) that's the only way i can suggest you promote yourself because if you're consistently putting out your own artwork and your own comics and you have your own schedule and you're showcasing what you're doing it's the same thing for a podcast it's the same thing for any type of creative endeavor you do if you are excited about what you're doing for as long as you do it and you, other people are excited about it, then that's the best you can hope for. And if I didn't have Twitter, if I didn't have um, any type of social media like that, and, and and I didn't keep badgering people with auto posts of, hey, here's the next interview, um, which I have lost followers from basically. <laughs> but 
I have to showcase the interviews or else I'm going to get lost in the masses. And as a creative person, you have to do the same thing. We're all fighting for a fraction of a second of your time. I mean, the Twitter feeds that scroll by are massive, you know, and even if you use like a tweet deck or something like that, that's, you know, categorized what you need to do. Like I have one for podcasts. I have one for, for, um, creative uh, entertainment people uh, artists comic creators whatever uh, you know I, I my feed's just constantly scrolling by and occasionally I'll see my post but yeah <laughs> promote yourself use social media so what's the what did you mention a tweet deck can you explain what that is a tweet deck's just a, a software that allows you to consolidate uh, Twitter basically your Twitter account uh, okay. So you, you're, it's your main Twitter account, just in a categorized column format. So that would be something if somebody's looking to. Uh, it's when you brought that up, and in a way you brought that up is like how important is putting stuff out in social media? How important is that? It's finding the finding your community. Well, you either create your own community or you you find a community that you're part of. Okay. And so the web comics community is really just the comics community with internet comics. Um, there's a variety of other right. subcategories for it. It depends on how you want to promote yourself. You're going to find like people that you like pers- on a personal level and on a creative level as well, too. And so once you start interacting with them and, and you become their friends and, and genuine friendship, not just, you know, Hey, promote my stuff type deal. If you, if you truly want to support other artists who you want them to support you, then be genuine in, in what you like and how you comment with them and, and how you share their information. These little free things that you can do in a fraction of a second is really helpful to not only their psyche, to be perfectly honest, but also, to showcase it to people that maybe they aren't linked to that maybe you are. And so where do you see, as you, as you mentioned earlier, you've been back in 2008. I mean, it was the web comics world was a few hundred, a couple hundred. There wasn't a lot of web comics, but now there's, mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I, I think you're a little, little off on that because in 2008 I had a, I had a bookmarks list of over 4,000 web comics. Oh, was it? Okay, all right. Because I was just kind of referring that you said that you, you interviewed them all, so I didn't know if it was like... Well, <laughs> let, me, let me rephrase that. I interviewed all the popular ones. Oh. <laughs> do you see that... Do you see the, uh, the, the expansiveness of the accessibility of there's so many ways that you can make a, make a web comic? Mm-hmm. Um, do you see this as an issue of, you know, like that high water raises all boats, or do you see people just kind of getting lost at that you getting lost in the noise? I think because there's so many new digital platforms out there, like Tapas and Webtoons and uh, a variety of others as well. Too heck, I, I read a ton of digital comics these days, a lot more than than I probably have time for <laughs> that's what my lunch breaks are for but i think that it, it really comes down to there are so many new avenues to push yourself creatively that as long as you follow the guidelines on on submissions and all that stuff you have a you have your a new batch of actually i think it's a second renaissance of, of digital comics for that matter mm. not just web comics because 
the day of the website is is slowly going away. I mean, it's still there, but as maybe a, a base for your content. But there are so many other pieces of, of content and platforms that you can connect with and to uh, that allows you to really showcase what you can do. And where do you see where do you see web comics in five years? Maybe virtual. At some point in time, we're going to have to go virtual. Uh, you know, they already have Beat Saber and stuff like that. They already have virtual reality to some extent for, for games and such. I don't see why this doesn't go to that type of level. I mean, will we eventually get the whole, you know, chips in the head type situation where we can connect directly to the internet? Maybe, who knows? Could be a sci-fi pipe dream, but it, it would be interesting to see that level. And do you see there with, because I don't, I've, I haven't met anyone yet who was, who was unsurprised with the return of record players. Do you think that where's, there's always going to be a, a place for analog comics, like the oh, yeah. paperbacks? Yeah. I, that will never die as much as I'm sure the newspaper industry, you know, <laughs> wishes they could take back a few things they said back in the early two thousands when they were trying to fight web comics and all that stuff. Now all of the, the old comics of the yesteryear are online. Great. Irony. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you, and you, you may, as you, you, you mentioned earlier, is a year that the work you do and you've had over, I think you've had like over looking at your website, I think you had like have over 60 guest hosts at one point or another, right? Is that number <laughs> has, has uh, yeah, I, I've had a few amazing guests. That's that's for sure. Do you? And some of this, like you know, you know, primarily as the executive producer, where you have to wear all the hats. Um, what are what's part of that that you are you you kind of like you, you're surprised yourself that you enjoy doing? Is it like editing or graphic designing or any of that stuff? First and first and foremost, I, I think that it's talking with the people, okay. the, the editing. It's a pain in the ass. <clears throat> it's a pain. So the uh, the editing is a pain. The graphic is just a template. So yeah, it takes a little time. But but to if I'm not in the right headspace when it comes to editing, I, I put it aside and I come back to it. But it's it's talking with the guests, talking with the people, the, the people that are taking their time to come on the show after all these 14 years, which I still can't find <laughs> around that. That still boggles my mind. I still keep thinking it's 13 years for some reason, but is what it is. August 8th, 2008 is when we started. Um, we were we were on before the WTF, WTF uh, Mark Maron show. We were on before Joe Rogan. We were on before a bunch of these other shows. But, See, you know, we're not popular because we weren't comedians. So, you know. <laughs> but 14, I mean, that means uh, um, Two Geeks Talking is now considered a sophomore in high school, right? <laughs> I don't know what avenue you're going with that thought process. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're in high school. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> fourteen years old though. That's that's impressive. Where's the car, Dad? Come on. <laughs> uh, but so 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 my question is like, where do you see uh, two geeks talking? What's what's the what's your what's the the your the your future vision? of the evolution in the direction of two geeks talking. Well, my current goal is 
two kind of two things. Um, I, I want to get the YouTube channel more popular. I need a thousand followers and I need 4,000 hours as of this interview to hit YouTube's algorithm to get monetized again. Back in 2016, we were disabled from monetization because that's how YouTube was. Mm. So we had over 500,000 views on YouTube. We made maybe a hundred bucks before they disabled us. Speaking of algorithms, you know, how, how crappy that is. And so my goal for 2022, I have to add the two in there, is I need a thousand followers. And at this, as of this recording, it's 539. Um, December last year, uh, we finally hit 500. Mm. Earlier in the year, last year, we were at 425. So we've had steady improvement, steady progress from great people, you know, the fans and, and creative people alike on, on Twitter and, you know, taking the time just to hit the, the follow button on the show, subscribe to the channel and, and, you know, interact and like the interviews that I'm posting. And, and for a guy that's been doing it for 14 years solo with, with no help uh, after episode 61, you know, I really think that, you know, these types of little kudos i guess you could call it you know a, a heart on a post you know a retweet a, a like on a video a comment on a video uh, you know sharing the interview with other people i really think it just truly really helps you know a creative person because we put so much time or i put so much time into the content and the editing finding the guests you know really showcasing their talents because all i do is ask questions i want to give them a, a a space that they can promote themselves. And, and I hope I provided that over the years with, with the people. And I really hope that they keep coming back for, for interviews, whether it's, you know, a year from now, two years from now, whatever. Mm. So what is, what, what is your, I guess, what is your criteria then as you, as you pick it? So what, what's that, what's the, the theme? Have you had, if you had any inquiries where you're like, not really the bright platform for you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've had a few and, and, it was easier when I was going through email where I could filter and I've had people message me directly saying, Hey, I want to promote this, this, and this and be like, it doesn't fit my show. Unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't give any examples at the moment because I really can't remember of, of what happened. But long story short is the show is about entertainment interviews. If, if you're in comics, TV, film, music, video games, you know, of a geeky nature type situation, I mean, TV movies and, and video games, I mean, don't have to be geeky, but I, I like the musicians to be. If they happen to be a, a musician and a geek, I think that's awesome. A great combination. Um, I've had comic creators that have are that have been musicians. So I mean that's that's pretty cool too. So right. And so where do you see uh, uh is there no so have you had any because I think I've seen on there you've had some kind of spin-off shows at one point or another as well. Yeah, I, I've had a few spinoff shows. I, they've not really gained any traction. I think I had TGT video games and a couple of others, but I think that that was kind of the main one where a friend of mine and I just, you know how friends get together and they, they talk about video games they played and all that stuff and what they thought about and what was good, what was bad. That That's kind of what we tried, but we never had a consistent schedule. Right. And, and so what would be – so 
how important is, and we, we talked earlier about, you know, you know, the, your color nine, nine, zero, how important is it to have consistency with your branding as it helps for social media? Huge. I mean, if, if you don't have a consistent logo brand color scheme, then when they look at the social media, um, they won't be able to really recognize who and what you are. Hmm. So funny story about that. And this is actually a pretty cool segue. The two geeks talking logo you see at the top here right. is designed by Don Griffin, who is an amazing talented illustrator. She's been on the show many times before she created Zorfkirk and Fred and she's just too talented. Thanks Don. Uh, you know, hashtag on that. So <laughs> there's a story behind that, but that logo I have, and then I've used since pretty much the beginning actually of the, uh, I think she created in 2009, maybe. Mm. And that logo has been, I've used it in, in everything I've done. And people recognize the logo. They may not know the name, myself, Kurt Sasso, but they recognize the logo. They've seen it somewhere. They've seen it online. They've seen it, you know, through social media or they've seen it, whatever. Right. An I iconic logo, an iconic, like, color scheme. Like, I, I always loved the red. The reds were just something that was really cool. It was something different because at the time everyone was doing greens and blues and all this other stuff and yellows. And there was no real red that kind of popped off the page. So it was really, you know, this is the color scheme I wanted. I wanted white, black, and red and gray, sure. And so in, in, how do you utilize other pieces of social media? You you've talked about Twitter a lot. Twitter seems, is that in, but how how are the, the the populations different for say like Instagram and Facebook and some other ones? Well, Facebook is I mean the algorithm throttles you every single social platform you're on. Hmm. Um, it, that will never change. <laughs> it's gotten worse to be to be honest. So Facebook, out of the 600 people that are following on that page, hmm. it, it'll get viewed by maybe three to ten people. Wow. You know, uh, Twitter is my most consistent platform. I do have Instagram. I do have TikTok, although I haven't posted anything on that yet. Um, just because it's another piece of content that I'd have to format what I want to showcase on there. I have ideas and I, and I'll probably be posting on it eventually, but not, not currently. I have too much stuff to do and edit. <laughs> I mean, 50 interviews in the next, since until September, basically. So... Yeah. So how how so how how far out do you how far out do you schedule? Well, the main show is the so two gigs talking is scheduled until basically end of September right now, and wow. I booked either two to three interviews as a Saturday, wow. so I'm I'm pretty booked that way actually, and I don't know if I'm just kicking myself for this, but I created a new show called Two Geeks Talking Rapid Fire, <laughs> which which is literally just eleven questions you only have nine to 15 minutes to answer those questions. And then it gets posted the same day. Wow. So a lot of people are taking advantage of that. So it should be interesting. I, I, I don't know what's going to come of it, but um, there's a lot of really cool talented people that have signed up for that as well too, that couldn't get on the main show because it's so booked. So I think it'll be a, a fun experiment and you know, it still hits the core questions I normally ask. 
during an interview, but they may change every so often, uh, but still stay in that 11 question format. So, yeah. Right. Wow. That's kind of cool. And is that, is that an addendum to the two geeks talking? So that's still going to be the same. Oh, it's still two. It's going to be two geeks talking rapid fire. Cause that's the only thing I could think of that. <laughs> so I could set up my calendar. So uh, people could sign up for it. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and so how often do you, and because people would sign up for it, though, so as you were saying earlier, do you, they, they are, is a, so we say we have like artists and, and writers who will be listening to this and say, Hey, I want to, I want to talk to Kurt. How do I get on? So they would go to your website, correct? Or what uh, would be the easiest way to e sign up? So the easiest way to sign up would be my calendar link, which is, uh, I can link it to you, but it, it's basically calendar. C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y.com forward slash two geeks talking. There you go. So there's the there's the link to the two interviews. Um, you can select either or. So if you select the two geeks talking interview itself, it's going to say no dates available. And you're going to have to keep going and going and going. And going. Uh-huh. A little more. A little more, August. One more. Oh, what? No. 27th, see? Uh, that's not there. <laughs> that, that's not there. <laughs> there you oh, go. Okay. That's September. Yeah. All right. There we go. So, yeah. That, so, end of September. <laughs> so, you record. How important is it to have a consistent schedule as well? I'm forcing myself to be consistent. If I don't have an interview for a kickstart Monday, I'll have an interview for a Friday. Okay. And that's the only way I can keep the algorithm active for what I do. I should be posting more. I don't have time. I, I really, I really don't. It's, right. it takes time to edit. It, it, it takes time to, you know, if I don't have my, my title graphic image created, I have to, you know, get that formatted correctly. I then filter my audio through, you know, uh, isotope. And, and once I've gone through Audacity and once I've edited it in Premiere, so I'm using three separate pieces of software to literally wow. okay. you know, clean up the audio so that it's, you know, consistent. Right. Wow. I'm lucky my voice is at least consistent, but I still, have, <laughs> I still have to increase my levels of my voice because my system, by default, I don't want to, to peak. I don't want to go over that sweet spot. Right. So I apologize if my audio is low currently here, but uh, if you want clean audio, I can always send you over the, my recording so you can <laughs> play with it. No, you sound great. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's an interesting thing how you had that set up. So what would, so if somebody has a Kickstarter and mm -hmm. they're like, oh, I didn't even know. Oh, I wish I could get on. So basically it's kind of like, well, talk to me next time because I'm booked out. Is there, how do yeah. you, how, is there any like leeway or like? There, there is and there isn't. Uh, okay. It depends on, on what happens. And I have a list of people that if cancellations occur, I'll, I'll, they get first, first come first serve. Okay. All right. Um, but yes, it's quite literally, I'll get people messaging me saying, Oh, I just saw just saw an interview for a Kickstarter. I have a Kickstarter ongoing, and and I regrettably, and I say this truly, I regrettably 
have to turn them down sometimes because I don't have the time. Mm. And it, it's, it's a scheduling thing. First right. off, you know, I, I can only do so much. Right. And Kickstarters take priority that have been interviewed on the show. Yeah. So I usually sometimes have to rush same day edits on those to get it ready for a Monday. And that takes time. That's at yeah. least six hours out of my day just to clean things up and make right. sure that things are consistent. And, and I want to interview everyone. I truly do. I, I hate turning down people. I really, that's what kills me the most. I hate turning down creative people because right. a rejection to some people can be detrimental. And, and I, I don't want to be that type of person. I really don't, but I, I just can't. I, I'm only one person. Right. And so how many do you see when it comes to um, the independent comic creators that are reaching out? I've been, have you seen any new uh, folks as uh, like promoters, um, indie comic creators working with promoters to help them get through on to get to, to come on your show? Or is it usually you talk directly to indie comic creators? I'm getting a lot more publishers these days, which is fine. I think that's pretty awesome, to be honest. Uh, the fact that they're willing to come on the show and talk about the publishing side of things, which I have very little knowledge of uh, type deal, because I find that fascinating. You know, what is an indie publisher like these days? What do they look like? You know, right. are, are they two guys in a garage type deal or are they more of uh, here's a corporation and we're really building up a, a brand and right. we want to be the next Simon and Schuster or, or whatever the case might be. Right. And so, you know, for once I have an interview with them, I'll usually get an email saying, Hey, we have X, Y, and Z comic creators or, or graphic novels that we have. We're publishing soon. Can they be on your show? Yeah. And, so, and I think that's great. So let me ask you, how passionate would you say is, and how defined is that term indie comic creators? At what point is there a, is there like a, a like you're, you're only indie if you have only sold X amount of, but or you're only making X amount of money. Is at what point do, is there a point of pride for somebody who, where, where do you go from indie comics to all of a sudden you are now a, your comic isn't in yeah your comic isn't indie anymore <laughs> like how do you what is he, do you have like a mental picture or like a kind of like some sort of like membrane that they could pass through to say all right you are now do you have something in mind like what would that look like anyone that tells you that you have to sell x amount of copies to be a professional comic creator is full of it <laughs> and and here's why Anyone that takes the time, and this is anyone, whether you're brand new beginning, whether you're a write, only a writer and you found an artist on Reddit or wherever you found a, another creative person or you're an artist and you, you, uh, you, know, you found a writer to say your story or whatever the case may be, whatever the diagram is for that type of situation. Right. If you have created a comic book, whether it's only digital or whether it's print or whether it's, uh, you know, it happens to be picked up by a publisher, you're professional in my opinion because you've created something that no one else has created that to to label yourself as an indie creator sells yourself short as a creative person if you justifiably consider yourself an indie creator that's awesome 
but you are a creative person that has created a comic, created a graphic novel that has never been created before. You are telling a story that you have either thought up or that you've worked and collaborated on. You're a comic creator, plain and simple. You're a creator, plain and simple. And what would be your advice to any of those any of those creatives who are who might be listening to your podcast and maybe get inspired by some of your guests who are still kind of kicking themselves saying, I just got to do this one thing or I got, you know, I'll do it. If I just do this one, thing. like what would be your advice of to any of those creators that are just might not have the self-confidence or just the, or the, the perseverance that they just, they just need that one extra push. What is, what would be your advice to them? It's cliche to say, just do it, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start with a sketch, start with a, a, a write, a, you know, start with a single sentence, start with some idea that is digging at your brain that, that needs to come out. Uh, if you would have told me that 14 years ago as an introverted person at whatever age I was back then, uh, say 29-ish or 30-ish, I don't know, whatever, whatever the case may be, I'm, I'm old, um, that I'd be doing a podcast for 14 years, that I'd have over a 1,000 interviews, that I would have over 60 co-hosts, that I would go to comic conventions in Chicago, Toronto, I would do video interviews, and I would interview the likes of like Jill, Tom, Jill Thompson and Ramon Perez before like an NBC or a CBS during a common convention, you know, I would have told you you're full of it. I, I, I really did not see myself doing this as a long-term goal. Mm. Why I keep doing it, it's either, you know, column, a little column A, a little column B when it comes to, I like talking to people. I, I like seeing the creative people that are out there that I don't know anything about that are first timers on the show. And, you know, I, I like to procrastinate when it comes to real life stuff. So I think it works out well. Good. Well, th thank you very much, Kurt. We're at the, we're at the top of our hour. So if people want to uh, follow you and, and, and follow your podcast and, and learn more about your, your show, what would be the best place they could go? Well, the best way to go to see all of my stuff is you can find my in this interview. <laughs> Sorry, that that's my segue. Uh, <laughs> you can find all my thousand plus interviews for the most part until they get uploaded to podcast format at twogeekstalking.com or tgtmedia.com. But really, our YouTube channel is youtube.com forward slash tgtmedia. And social media-wise, I'm either uh, at Kurt Sasso, K-U-R-T-S-A-S-S-O, uh, mainly on Twitter. That's the, probably the easiest way to get a hold of me that way. Uh, my email address is on other websites, YouTube, et cetera, as well, too. And, you know, I, I love talking with creative people. The Calendarly link is, is another great way to schedule yourself on the interview. Maybe, you know, you have a project upcoming that fits that mold of whenever i have space available sign up for it let's do it uh you know it takes one step and i think after 14 years i i can safely say that you know i love creative people and i'm willing to talk with you about your creative passion for whatever you do cool excellent well 
Thank you very much, Kurt. And come back on anytime. This has been great. Well, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. This is, uh, you know, I, I, I'm rarely on this side of the microphone. You know, I, <laughs> I'm getting a little, a little hang of it these days. I think so. You know, I'd be happy to pop back on whenever you want. Yeah, perfect. What's your favorite color? Is it red? Uh, the reds see. work, yeah. The reds work. All right, let me. Oh, that, well, that's way too red. All right, hang on. Let me. Yeah. No, that's too. That's, that's well. super red. Yeah, that's all right. That works. All right, about here. Or 990000 if you want. Oh, ooh, yeah. What is it? 990000. There you go. Look at that, man. That's the color I use for all of my reds, basically. Make it. You should get. You get a. <laughs> we should get that as like a tattoo. Just what's ninety nine zero 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 zero? Oh, it's my. It's the color of my podcast. You're asking too many questions. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going into color theory of the RGB variety. That isn't going to work out. <laughs>